Rockin' and riffin' with Nate Garrett of Spirit of Drift. I'm Chris Keys for Premier Guitar. I'm in my home in Nashville, Tennessee. And as I said before, I'm joined by Nate Garrett of Spirit of Drift. Uh, Nate is currently outside of Austin, Texas. Nate, how you doing? Doing good, brother. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, I, I really appreciate it. And I feel like even though we've never met, you have done a previous video for us. Uh, you, you highlighted how Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, was so important to you. And so right there, we're kindred spirits when it comes to the Sabbath. So I feel like we're best friends already. Absolutely, man. <laughs> well, let's dive right into the guitar stuff. Obviously, you're holding the Dunnable. Uh, you want to elaborate about how you kind of stumbled into the R2-D2 world? Yeah, for sure. Um, my friend Chris Wetzel from Power Trip actually introduced me and Sasha back in 2017. And uh, he's built a few of these for me. This is, like you said, the R2-D2 model. I have a white one that is currently with our other guitar player in Oakland. Uh, and then I have a black one behind me. It's kind of like a stained black finish. And then this is the most recent one he made for me. It's black Limba, obviously all natural finish. Um, this is definitely my favorite guitar I've ever had. Uh, just plays like a dream. I This is kind of like a stay at home, stay in the studio guitar. I don't see myself ever taking this on tour. Uh, it's got the EMG 81 and 85 combo, totally inspired by Metallica there. And uh, yeah, it's it's amazing. I love it. I, I know that uh, Sasha does his own pickups as well. What, and, and previously you've played other guitars with passive pickups. What made you kind of go for the, the Hetfield uh, Metallica EMG sound with these ones? Well, you know, we started off kind of more in the, the doom realm and a lot of our songs were really slow and big, wide open chords with a lot of harmonic content and sustain and saturation. Um, not a lot of really fast parts or chuggy parts or anything like that. And then around the time of our second record, Curse of Conception, um, yeah, the, the early Metallica influence started creeping in. I've always kind of idolized James Hetfield and, and it really started super seeping into our music around Curse of Conception. Um, so, you know, the, the riffs got chuggier and chunkier and a little more precise and a little faster. So I figured couldn't go wrong with that combo. If it works for the man himself, it'll work for me. You know? <laughs> yeah. Now is, is this, particular R2 something that you used on the new record that just came out enlightened in eternity or is it were you using the other R2s I used uh two guitar well I used three guitars on that record um this one did like 90% of that record um I'm gonna pull out another guitar my friend Josiah built me a guitar he uh he has a company called Brother Coyote based in Phoenix Arizona and I use that guitar for uh, cleans and and stuff that requires just a slightly like different tone, but I'll show you that real quick. So yeah, like I said, my friend Josiah Upshaw built this guitar for me. Um, I didn't even know he was building me a guitar. It was like one of the nicest things anybody's ever done for me. Uh, it's got the Grover tuners on it, which I love. Funky headstock. Um, this is a little Ernest Tubb tribute it says thanks on it yeah right here in nashville you flip it upside that's awesome yeah <laughs> flip it upside down after the set and it you know it's a nice little message to send um it's got the cool little like nine volt cavity for uh 
for the active pickups. These are also EMG 81s and 85s. They just have like the the chromed out covers. Um, I love this guitar, dude. It's it's literally like one of a kind. And uh, I've used this on the last two records for clean stuff. You know, it's really thick in the next. The body's thick and the neck's thick. And it's quite a different sound. Even though it's the same pickups, like you can definitely tell a difference. And it's great for cleans and stuff like that. But so I use this guitar. I use this Dunnable. And then um, there's some like Pink Floyd seagull squawking yeah. going on on the last song. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the only way that you can do that, I guess, is with a Fender Strat uh, pickup tone selector configuration. It has to be like that exact situation. I, I found a YouTube video years ago explaining how David Gilmore got all those crazy sounds on Echoes. And luckily, Ryan Bram, the guy that recorded our new album, had his very first guitar was a Fender Strat, and he just had it there at the studio, so we were able to to kind of pay pay tribute to that Pink Floyd insanity. But so, yeah, three guitars. Um, this one, that one, and an old Fender Strat. <laughs> and, you know, like, in, in real, real talk, it's really just two guitars, and the third one being like a sound effects machine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I would say this, this guitar did, like, 90% of the work, and that one did about 10% of the work. And then, yeah, we had a... A, a seagull sound effect generator and w with going back to the dunnable i know that chris is a big fan of the four string uh r2 now did he have any input in terms of what you went with on your six string or did he have any influence because i know obviously sasha has like the cyclops the yeti and you know the r2 is one of his makes but i'm just curious what what, what took you to that yeah i love chris's bass um he ha he had a couple of them when when we toured with him back in the day, he had like an off-white one, and I think he had a black one, pretty sure. Uh, but the off-white one stood out to me, and I couldn't believe how light it was. Even his bass, like the guitars are pretty light. This one is the least light of mine, probably. It's it's a little bit chunkier, um, but it's totally worth it because of the the way it looks and sounds. You know, obviously, I'm willing to hunk around a little bit more weight for that. But yeah, I like the funky body shapes. I I don't I like the Cyclops and the Yeti, um but they're not quite funky enough for me and <laughs> you know, this is kind of modeled after a, a legendary Gibson body which I won't mention to to keep Sasha out of any trouble, but uh I that that's one of my favorite guitar bodies. Um and a while ago I was playing a uh LTD Phoenix it's called, which is kind of like a similar it's like in the Firebird RD realm, mm -hmm. kind of. Um, so I've always, I've liked these kind of guitars and explorers and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, seeing seeing Wetzel's basses on tour uh, definitely got me fired up for this body shape. Absolutely. And uh, for anyone that's a veteran or have seen the Power Trip rig rundown we've done, uh, Nate, among other band members and crew members, were popping in and out of the background. So if he looks familiar, that might be a reason. That was a fun day, man. Yeah, it was me and Eric and uh, Rob Barrett from Cannibal Corpse, who's like one of my favorite people in the world. We were just like, I apologize. We were terrorizing that, that whole interview. <laughs> <laughs> I know that Perry, he was hosting it. He was having a blast and we were all cracking up. So I think it's all in the name of fun. So I, I was all about it. Hell yeah. 
Well, man, let's move on to your amps. I've seen you uh, with the video you did for us, like I said, for Sabbath, paying homage to them. You had the Dunnable. Uh, I've seen you with a block letter of the old, the other company that does 5150s. But it uh, looks like you got an EVH one right now. I've seen you with the Rocker Verb. So talk to me about how you got here and uh, why you dig it. Yeah, it's been a long, ongoing process uh, as, it, as it has since the beginning. Um, you know, I have an orange endorsement and I... I'm not just saying this. I can't play other cabinets like when we're uh, doing like a fly-in or something like that, and and or any situation where we can't use our own cabinets. You know, I love Marshall, but when I see a Marshall cabinet, I just I get a bad feeling in my stomach because I just know I'm not going to be able to to dial it in the way I need to. I'm so spoiled with orange, just like the thick construction and everything. So I'm an orange cabinet guy, like period. I was playing the Rocker Verb. Um, in the early spirit of drift days, kind of for the same reasons, uh, I was talking about with the, the pickups, you know, our early materials really slow and huge and, and saturated with lots of harmonic content and the rocker verbs are like perfect for that. Um, but as the music started to speed up, you know, I switched to the, the EMG active pickups. Um, I started playing the the PV 5150s, which I love the, um, you know, the old ones that were made in Mississippi, the originals. Uh, but for our sound right now, this EVH is without a doubt the best amp. Um, I, you know, it, we need a lot of clarity. There's a lot of like single note stuff going on. Um, and a lot of very melodic, uh, lead guitar work and a lot of harmonies and stuff like that. So it really needs to to cut through and and be not clean, um, but just very defined, you know. But then we have a lot of chunky stuff too. So we we need the chunky stuff not to like fizzle out. It's got to have some serious balls. And uh, I'll play something here in a minute where a lot of my riffs they're actually like real heavy like rhythm parts and single note lead stuff at the same time and this is the only amp that i've found that like the low end chord stuff won't completely kill like the single note uh lead stuff i can actually play you an example of what i'm talking about real quick um so we have a song on our not our newest album but our previous album called tortured by time and uh You'll see what I mean. It's like, uh, you know, I grew up listening to Jimi Hendrix and he he's never really playing. Well, sometimes he plays lead, but a lot of the time he's playing rhythm and lead and it's indistinguishable. It's just one massive sounding thing with a lot of low end stuff and and kind of the melodic lead lines. And uh, this amp is perfect for that, as you can hear with this section. <laughs> So as you can hear, there's some sustained like power chords rooting uh, that riff, but then there's the the single note stuff, you know, going over the top of the power chords. And any other amp I've tried, the single note stuff just disappears. The power chords just completely overwhelm those frequencies. Uh, but with this, you can hear all of it like equally, which is kind of insane. And then it's got 
the chunk at the end of the riff and it's still super heavy even though those single note lead things are cutting through and they're they're really distinguishable when we hit that chug it's like super heavy and uh yeah, I've never played another amp that can do it's that. It's almost like the way you're describing it is a, like a real-time looping player. Normally, someone would play a rhythm passage, and then on top of that, maybe may solo or comp over top of it. But you're doing that in the way you're playing, in the way you described, almost in, you know, I guess, real-time, <laughs> I guess it's to say it. Yeah, that's a good way of describing it. And, um, you know, we've always joked that in order to accurately play a Spirit of Drift song live, we would need, like, six guitar players because there's multiple rhythms going on and multiple leads going on. So, uh, you know, when we play that song, we're both, both guitar players are holding down the heavy power chord low ends and then we're harmonizing each other on the leads. And, uh, if you don't have an amp that can accurately produce those frequencies, it's going to sound like a mess, you know? So I'm, I love this amp. I'm very attached to this amp and, uh, through the orange cabs, it's just like, unbeatable not to diverge too far but i think it's still relative is that spirit of drift started out as kind of a project where you did all if or if most if not all most of the stuff for recording when it came to instruments and now later in the band's life in the last two to three years you've been taking it out on the road how has gear been changed out because of taking it from like a home project to a real life band that goes out and tours is anything come up that you had to either think about or change yeah or, you know it works in the studio but when it comes to live and in a band that doesn't work or yeah it's it's been quite an evolution man um i don't know if the if the performing live thing has had as much of an impact on the gear situation uh as much as the changing of the style of the music and the evolution of the music itself i would say the one the one big thing that's different live from in the studio. Um, I still play all the stringed instruments and do all the vocals in the studio. And you're right. When the band first started, I was doing literally everything. Uh, and I, I didn't know that spirit adrift was ever going to become a live band. So especially the early stuff, I was just going ham, dude. We were, we had like real echo rec tape delays and, just an infinite amount of like pedals and crazy shit that we were doing. Uh, and as, as the viewers will see, I have a pretty simple pedal board set up, uh, for our live situation because of the fact that, um, I'm singing, I'm singing and <laughs> <laughs> the melodies are, are like counterpoint to what's going on with the guitar. I'm never just like, uh, singing songs off of Black Sabbath Paranoid where the vocals and the guitar are directly in sync with each other. It's always like a pat your head, rub your stomach thing. Um, so between, and also our riffs aren't, aren't really easy. Like some of them are somewhat simple. Uh, even the ones that are simple are kind of deceivingly simple. You have um, one titled The Motherfucker. So, yeah, oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that, and... You know, I, I'm playing riffs like that and singing stuff that doesn't rhythmically or melodically synchronize with it perfectly. So that's like, that's a lot to handle up here. So in the studio, there's no limit to the amount of experimentation we'll do with effects and gear and that sort of thing. 
Uh, but live, I just want stuff that I know exactly what it's going to do. That's why I like this amp and this cab. Usually I play a 412, but all that stuff's in Arizona. Um, and I'm in Texas right now, as we talked about earlier. So this stuff, I always know what it's going to sound like. It's very precise. Um, my pedal board, which we can get to, it's like what what's on the records that it would be a travesty if that specific sound was not reproduced live. And I kind of figure that out. And so then what what's the bare minimum that I can get by with without um, robbing any of the fans of like crucial sonic moments from the albums. Um, to, I, I mentioned to you off camera earlier, two of the pedals on my board, uh, I, I have an Earthquaker endorsement, and two of these pedals have been on every Spirit of Drift album and they've been used at every Spirit of Drift show. So I had to have those, obviously. Um, I guess we could just dive into the... Yeah, I think, well, the only thing I guess I have to ask about the amp is just because I know they make a EL34 version and a 6L6. Which one do you have for the EVH? This is EL34. Okay. And then the yeah. cab is, I imagine, vintage 30s? Okay. Yes, exactly. Yeah, well, let's dive into the pedal board. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so there has been a, a couple of changes. One Transitioning from the the previous question about like what's changed from the studio to live. Um, all the clean guitars on spirit of drift albums. It's a, uh, Roland jazz chorus. Um, and I used to own two of them. I own one of them. Now I sold one when I moved. That's my favorite clean guitar amp ever. Probably my favorite solid state amp ever. Um, one thing I was I was using live to reproduce that because it's the same circuit as the chorus and that amp is this Boss Wazacraft CE2W. Um, because like I said, that's that's the same analog circuit that's in the the jazz chorus amps. But one issue I was running into was because of the fact that it's analog, it introduces another gain stage. So I mainly use chorus on clean sections. And it was getting really hard to to play some of the subtle, quieter stuff um, without kind of distorting a little bit, you know, peeking out a little bit. So on the newest record, we got the uh, Boss Wazacraft Dimension C, which just came out right before we recorded the album. And it's digital. Um, and it sounds amazing, dude. We We used it all over the new album. Live, it works much better because it doesn't overdrive the clean channel on the amp. Um, so basically, if if there's a clean section in a Spirit of Drift song, we're going to be using this Dimension C. Um, and I'll, I'll give you a little taste of what that's like. Another crucial pedal for our clean tone is this Earthquaker Dispatch Master. Um, it's a reverb and delay. I really only use it for reverb. I almost want to get a second one and only use that one for delay. 
because it's such a great it's such a great pedal dude um we've used it on every album uh use it live you know so yeah our, our kind of go-to clean sound is the chorus um which we're now using the dimension c because it's way easier to control and the dispatch master reverb which sounds like this <laughs> Those trails. Yeah, that tone. Go is, ahead. Sorry. I was gonna say that tone is like so, like mystical and like menacing, even though it's clean. Like, you know, divided by darkness or angel and abyss is like those. It's moody, and then the heavy comes, but it's almost heavier with the modulation and the clean tone. Totally. Yeah, and that's the dispatch master, man. It, um, the chorus is crucial to that too, obviously, but the the trails on the on the dispatch master, like some of the most musical reverb trails I've ever heard. I think it's probably like, it, and like I was saying earlier, it's a set it and forget it thing. There's not, there's four knobs on it. I don't even use two of them because they're for the delay. So as far as my purposes are concerned, it's a two knob pedal it's mix and reverb. That's my only options. And I like it that way. Cause I am like not that smart with gear. I can't really, you know, a lot of this stuff, I'll just like look up presets. I, I should have mentioned that about the EVH. Um, this amp comes with an instruction manual that has Eddie's uh, preferred settings on it. And what I do, um, I only use channel one and channel three because uh, I think that's like maximum dynamic, yeah. you know, capability. Um, I, I look at his settings and I set it exactly like that. And then I start playing and I just tweak everything a little bit because obviously he didn't use EMG pickups. He didn't play Dunnables. So there's, there's going to be some differences, but it's, it's so simple for like, I'll get, I'm so OCD and weird. I'll get like too obsessed trying to figure stuff out. So I, I need those sort of guideposts. So like with that, I just set it to, to Eddie's settings and then tweak it from there with the dispatch master, you know, it's it's beautiful sounding. Hang on. Those trails, man. It's and you can use it on clean guitar or heavy guitar. Um, again, going back to "Tortured by Time." It just sounds like ghosts are in the room with yeah. you, you know? Well, I was just curious because it's kind of the same mood is uh, the first part or the first solo of Astral Levitation is is very kind of dreamy and spacey. And I'm curious if those is kind of the same recipe. Yeah, actually, um, I want to shout out a, another Earthquaker pedal. You mentioned uh, Astral Levitation. Um, I'm guessing like this, you're talking about the psych yeah. part with the driving bass mm -hmm. and the guitars get all spacey. Yeah. So in the studio, uh, I use the avalanche run by earthquaker a lot. And, um, the reason, the only reason I don't use it live is it takes up, you know, all of our touring coming up that we're, 
are allegedly going to do is in Europe. And so I'm trying to really downsize. So I, I have a, a huge pedal train in Phoenix. Uh, what we're working with today is kind of my home board slash travel board, which I'm still uh, sort of in the process of dialing in. I think I'm actually there as of as of doing this video. I wanted to make <laughs> sure I was, was accurately representing my gear here. But this thing I use in the studio all the time, um, we used it on our Black Sabbath Supernaut cover all over that solo. Um, we used it on Divided. Uh, I've I played it live uh, probably for the past couple of years. And uh, this thing is just insane. It does so much. And this is what we're using on that section of Astral Levitation. Um, but yeah, we did use the Dispatch Master on the new record as well. Yeah, that Super Not Cover rips, man. I, I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that was kind of the session that um, that solidified in my mind that we needed to work with Ryan Bram on the new album because we just we had so much fun on that Super Not session. We brought in Eric from Gate Creeper. Uh, he plays the outro solo, and we all did like alternate percussion during the kind of like psychedelic percussion solo section you know it was just it was a great time and and it made it obvious that ryan bram was the dude we should work with on the new album happy uh, happy accidents or happy circumstances yes sir okay so another um the second pedal that i i made marcus our drummer mail me for this because i just knew i i couldn't do a rig rundown without this pedal it's the uh, earthquaker afterneath and uh, it's another kind of reverb delay hybrid. I, I mostly use it for like ambient reverb type stuff. I, I'm not playing any like solos with it or anything like that. Um, and again, going back to the idea that I really benefit from just like somebody showing me how to set this thing. And Earthquaker is great when you get their pedals. They have little diagrams of uh, different sounds that they like and i think this one is called like cosmogenic caverns or something like that but um you can hear it on born into fire from divided by darkness uh, we use it on the album and i use it live So that's a pretty uh, pretty specific application, um, but there's a few few like really special moments in Spirit of Drift songs where we just have to have that. You know, it, it just wouldn't. I, I'm not really normally the type of guy that is like super dependent on effects for songwriting or anything like that, but there's a few sections where that afterneath is just as much a part of the song as like the notes that we're playing. So that's definitely a, a crucial pedal. Would you, what would you say is the difference kind of how you use the dispatch match or knowing that you kind of just lean on them both as a reverb? What, what's different there between the afterneath and the dispatch master? Well, the dispatch master, the way that I have it set, it's quite a bit more versatile. I can use it for distorted guitar. Um, 
up until very recently I was using it on solos. I would kick that in and then kick in a boost for like lead guitar stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, the dispatch master, as I showed you earlier is like, we lean on that for our clean tone. Our go-to clean tone is going to have that on. Whereas the afterneath, it's like very specific moments in the set. If I were to kick that thing on with the guitar distorted, it would just be like complete <laughs> chaos and probably not in a cool way. Um, and I have done that a few times and it's like, nobody can figure out what the hell's going on. Uh, <laughs> So the afterneath is really more just kind of like, um, it's almost like it's sitting in for like a fifth member who would just be making like ambient soundscapes in certain parts. You know what I mean? It almost sounds like you're introducing a, some sort of pad or like a keyboard synth part, that sort of thing. Gotcha. So that one, I, I only click it on a couple times, you know, cause it's like the way that it's set, it's just like, it's a lot of spacey, goodness right on what, what else is on the board there so the the newest edition is the dunnable eidolon that he made with uh dave from revocation mm -hmm. and like i was saying earlier i have a lot on my mind when we're playing live um between the vocals and the lyrics and the riffs and solos and everything else um and i like i said i used to use the dispatch master reverb and a boost when I would play solos and that's like, and half the time I'm having to kick on the distortion, kick on the reverb, kick on the boost. And I'm like, I just completely fucked up the first five <laughs> seconds of the solo. So when I saw that they made this thing, I got really excited because it's a boost, a reverb and a delay all in one pedal. Uh, and there's, I, I think it's like a pretty common thing on the market now, but this one's super special. It sounds great. It's just like perfect for our purposes. So um, it also has a tap tempo on it. And this one, I actually do use both the delay and the reverb and the boost, just a little bit of boost. Um, Cause I've discovered that what seems like a little bit of boost on stage to your front of house guy is sometimes like infuriating. So like the band, the guitar player on stage will think like, ah, man, that's not enough boost. You know, it's just, I can't even tell that it got boosted. Meanwhile, the front of house sound guy is like pulling his hair out because it's insane out there. Um, so I just, I put a little bit of boost on it. And um, so, yeah, I'll give you a little uh, a taste of this Eidolon right now. <laughs> yeah pretty tasty it uh it kicks my signal up a notch and then puts the uh the really pretty delay and reverb on it and you can tap so it's like it's perfect literally perfect for my purposes self-contained very easy once again like everything else on the board it's like set it and forget about it and and just like have that peace of mind to focus on performing which is a big i deal. know that when dave and sasha and the guys from damnation audio worked on this and kind of plotted out how to make this pedal uh happen was that dave wanted it to be in his effects loop i'm curious uh because the other pedals he was running previously were in his effects loop so he made that a point 
to be focused on. Is that how you're running it or is it just in line with the rest of the pedals? Yeah, it's in the effects loop. So um, I'm coming out of the Dimension C chorus and going straight into the front of the amp. And then my effects loop begins with the Dispatch Master and includes that, the Afterneath, and the Eidolon. So all the time-based effects I'm running through the effects loop, which I, I've always wanted to do that. And I've just been like, I've had a lot of responsibilities on the road. Um, you know, like basically tour managing the band, doing merch, singing, playing guitar. And so I was always just kind of lazy about that. I was like, fuck it. I just ran everything into the front, but, um, moving forward, I'm definitely all time-based effects are going through the effects loop. Cause it, I've always known it makes a huge difference, but it, you know, it honestly makes playing easier because it's not, not as messy sounding. So it's, it's worth the extra effort of like having, you know, four cables involved instead mm -hmm. of two. Cool. Is there anything else on your board that you want to show off? I do know that there's a pedal, a third pedal on top of the EVH. So we, I don't know if you want to sh Dude, good eye. <laughs> good eye. Well, um, so in the U.S., uh, this is my setup, only it's a, an orange 412. Um, all my 412s are in Arizona right now. This board is kind of more for Europe, I guess. Um, it could work for the U.S., but I have a much bigger board with some extra effects like the Avalanche run I was talking about. But so in Europe, I think I'm gonna <clears throat> I think I'm gonna use this board, but we don't ever really know what amps we're gonna be using, because um, these are too expensive to rent over there. So we have distortion pedals. Uh, one of my distortion pedals is also in Phoenix. It's the uh, I think MXR makes it. Uh, it's the second channel from this amp, it's the EVH. Oh, okay. Like black distortion box. Um, yeah, 5150 overdrive. Yeah, exactly. So we have one of those at our disposal. And then um, these, this is like a small, uh, like made to order company, um, VHD, which is the, uh, the Ampeg VH140C okay. distortion circuit, which is like kind of legendary. And I, don't quote me on this, but I think it's the same circuit as the Ampeg SS150, um, which are, speaking again of solid-state amps, those are like, the, I would say the top three solid-state amps for me are the Roland Jazz Chorus and then those two. Um, and those two are more geared toward metal. Um, so the Roland Jazz Chorus is great for clean guitar, but the Ampeg VH140 and Ampeg SS150 are like, great amps for metal and yeah this is just the the gain circuit from those um and i know jeff Matz from high on fire the mm -hmm. bass player actually uses one of these because he has like a bass rig and a guitar rig running he kind of considers himself the bass player and second like rhythm guitar for high on fire um and so I, he he put this on my radar so shout out to jeff Matz and then ryan bram who recorded our new album also has been swearing by these for a while. So, uh, like I said, when we go to Europe, the goal is to have our, our tone completely established coming out of the board so that as long as we get an amp with like a relatively acceptable clean channel, 
we can pretty much reproduce our sound night after night, like whether whether it's like a festival and we're using some backline that's there or whether we're renting gear for the rest of the tour or whatever it is, like when you're traveling a lot, um, especially out of the country, it's cool to be able to just have your tone established within your pedal board. And then it's a lot easier to, to reproduce your sound every night. So you'll take that, that pedal you just set down, you'll take that with you to Europe for that purpose? Yeah, so one of us will be playing through that and one of us will be playing through the the EVH. That's that's the idea, at least. But you know, this year has been so bizarre that we the new lineup has actually not... Um, we haven't even played together yet. We did a quarantine album release show um but it's really not it's not playing together you know so i'm looking forward to the day that we can all actually get in a room together and like work out our tones and stuff like that um and i I was going to tell you actually you mentioned earlier me being in gate creeper the bands actually have split so i'm no longer in gate creeper and yeah chase and eric are no longer in spirit of drift and we picked a hell of a time to do that because now it's like I, we haven't had like a real in-person spirit of drift practice, uh, ever this lineup hasn't, you know, the last time I played music with real people was decibel metal and beer fest in December. So, um, a lot of this setup here is like, it's working in principle and it's working in theory, but we're going to have to get together the four of us and, and figure out if it works as well as I think it's going to. And and I think it will, but we'll just have to see. All right, Nate, uh, I should have done this at the top when we're talking about uh, your guitars, but as you are tuning currently, I think this is all right to do so now, is uh, what do you use for tunings and then what strings are you using? So we tune to drop B. Um, I'm actually working on new music uh, using a couple of these Gibsons behind me where we're tuning to uh, E-flat standard, which is what I always used to play. Um, and when I moved to Arizona, I joined a band that was playing in uh, drop C. And then I joined Gate Creeper, who were playing in drop B. And I figured to make things easy on me, I would just start writing Spirit of Drift in drop B. Um, just so I didn't have to have like a dozen guitars all in different tunings, you know? Yeah. So yeah, these uh, the Dunables are all in drop B. Um, the strings are, I think I have a set behind me. Hang on. The strings are Ernie Ball Beefy Slinkies, which is, uh, 11 to 54, which is actually a pretty light gauge for drop B. But, um, a lot of my favorite super heavy downtuned guitar players play super light strings. Like Tony Iommi plays really light Mm -hmm. strings. Uh, Victor Griffin from Pentagram, um, and then Billy Gibbons, who doesn't down tune, but is like one of the heaviest guitar players ever. They all swear by light gauge strings. So yeah, drop B and uh, 11 to 54. And then I got to shout out the TC Electronics Polytune because I have a really severe case of like overtuning, um, especially in the studio. It's like a manic thing. And some tuners are actually like a little too sensitive and a little too accurate. And I just can't ever get my guitar in tune to where it satisfies my OCD. And I feel like this one, I know it's super accurate down to like fractions of a cent or whatever, but it'll actually like lock up and stay there. 
Um, so for somebody with a, a severe condition as myself with the spastic tuning all the time, that tuner is like perfect. I love it. Have you ever thought with your current affliction, have you ever thought to have um, used the Evertune bridge? I've thought about it. Those things kind of freak me out. I was actually just watching your thing with uh, Ken from uh, yeah. Unearth. It was Perry, yeah. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, and I think he said he was kind of freaked out and didn't didn't want to like make that jump at first, but now he swears by it. So I, I don't know, man. Yeah, maybe one day. <laughs> well, the last thing I got for you, Nate, is I think it's awesome that on the new record, you were able to, you know, pay homage to, to your dog. I think that as a dog guy myself, I think it's pretty rad that you were able to memorialize your, your dear friend on the new record cover. Thank you, man. Yeah. Um, Marcus and I, part of the reason that we got together, um, and part of the reason I had a gut feeling that he would be a perfect fit for, for playing drums in Spirit of Drift is he had a pit bull when I met him, uh, this big, like, white and graying pit bull named Dawkins. And then my wife and I had a pit bull named Lizzie, named after Thin Lizzie. And honestly, that was like, there were a few factors that led to me asking Marcus to play drums in this band, but that was a big one. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I was like, oh, he likes pit bulls too. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, he, he had to put his dog down in September of last year and go on tour. We went to Europe three days later. Um, I couldn't believe it. And then, you know, we had to put Lizzie down beginning of January, and we went in the studio like a mm -hmm. week later. So he and I both kind of had, like, similar uh, similar experiences with, like, suffering that kind of loss and then immediately having to do something band related which was difficult um and i was actually talking to uh the paul bearer guys about this the other day it was difficult but it i think it like saved us you know to have to dive into something like a european tour or making a new record it's like that didn't allow you to be overcome with like grief or whatever so they were uh they were integral parts of our lives and our happiness and our families so we just had to you know we thought it would be funny to like immortalize them on a an album cover of an album that hopefully like people are listening to decades from now and they they see our dogs on there like hopefully even long after we're gone i i just think that's kind of funny so i'm glad it's it funny because the way. artwork and i'm sure we'll throw a photo up so people can see it and kind of get take it in is that it it looks it doesn't look out of place it looks like the dogs are like on the mission with with the horseback riders yeah, it's really weird because obviously the dogs were not part of the original album art concept. Um, and I I had the whole vision of like the horseback riders and stuff. Um, for everybody who's like tripping about the new logo and all that stuff, it's our album cover is just Against the Wind by Bob Seeger, but just metal. That's There's no big like... That's the only reason it's the Spirit of Drift logos and script is it's like a tribute. I'll just go ahead and publicly put that out there. I was looking at Against the Wind... And I was looking at a uh, beating the odds by Molly Hatchet, and I just I thought about like what would it look like if you just combined those two? Beating the odds is like a Frazetta painting of like this crazy like warrior guy, you know. So yeah, I just kind of like combined them in my head. I was like that that's kind of cool and that fits like the vibe of the album. And you know, I was talking to Adam Burke who painted it about the Knights Templar because they were super creepy and scary uh, intense people. 
And then I, I kind of realized that if the Knights Templar had dogs with them, it would probably be yeah. pit bulls because that's like that's the dog mm-hmm. of that region, you know. So it's really weird how things work out, man. There's a lot of synchronistic stuff like that with this band, and yeah, it's 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 eerie sometimes. Well, right on, man. Again, congratulations and uh, continued success with Spirit Adrift, man. I appreciate you taking the time in Austin to talk gear with us and uh, just hang out. Thank you. All right, everyone, stay safe out there for Chris Keys in Nashville and Nate in Austin, Texas. This is Premier Guitar.